Everyone, welcome to the Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast. We are the Minds on Muscle Show, and Glenn and I today are talking about your top questions answered around being a fitness professional in the world. We're talking about business. We have over 300 people in our group, and we get a lot of different questions, both from them and from other exercise professionals that we work and we consult with. And we thought today would be really impactful and powerful for you to hear what are the top questions that we're getting answered, asked, sorry, and what are our answers to them. So at the end of the day, before we jump into this, if you're watching this live, well, if you're not watching this live, join the Fitness Pro Mentors Facebook group. Uh, we have a fitness marketing business mentorship that is crushing it. Our students are opening their own gyms. They're scaling. They're hiring trainers. They're doing amazing things. And the Fitness Pro Mentors group is the home to that mentorship. But every week we go live with a podcast, the Minds on Muscle show. And every Friday we do another podcast, the actual Fitness Pro Mentors interview series, where we interview industry experts talking about all sorts of different business marketing and also exercise science experience this Friday interviewing my first personal training fitness mentor, Mario Mavridi. He's going to be coming here live. He's from the local area. He is a gigantic Greek bodybuilder. I'm really excited to have him here. Uh, but what we're going to do today, if you're watching this live, please, if you have any questions, ask away. Glenn and I are happy to interact with you and answer your questions live. But uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a good day so far. I'm feeling really, really great because we're going to talk about some stuff on today's podcast that I was working through last week, which I think is going to be great for some of the people listening. And uh, yeah, I just got a really great sleep. Went to bed at 9.30 last night feeling energized. Brandon, what about yourself? Uh, I don't sleep. <laughs> no, we got, I mean, we still got my daughter Hayden at home and we're working on sleep training with her uh, a little bit, not forcing her, but uh, less sleep. So I'm excited to hear you got some sleep. You have to tell me what that's like so I can... Uh, enjoy the experience. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so uh, first thing that we're going to jump into today is uh, a lot of trainers ask us, new trainers, people who are joining the group and they go, hey, listen, how do I fill my schedule as fast as possible? How do I get as many as clients, as many clients as possible? And I like this one. What do you think? I think you talk to humans and I think you have to talk to the right humans. And that's going to come down to understanding first and foremost who your ideal target audience is. Now, we're not going to belabor that point too much because we've probably talked about it five or six other times on this podcast. But if you want to get busy, you have to go find people and you got to find the right people that you want to work with. And you're not going to know where to find these people, who the right people are to work with unless you figure out your ideal target audience, your ideal target's avatar. And once you get that penciled out, there are dozens and dozens of ways, I'm not kidding you, dozens of ways to go about finding these people, but you have to have a clear audience so you know how to communicate, how to message them, where they're at, so that you can build out finding these people and putting them in your schedule. You also need to, once you know who you want to work with, I think concurrently, which we have not spent enough time talking about, is you need to know your offer. And it's funny because personal training kind of just has some general perspectives as to what the offer is, right? Because generally speaking, personal training is a one-on-one -on -one service with a designated amount of time. And that amount of time and that investment is to achieve a specific adaptation in the client's body, which gives them something emotionally, makes them feel good, removes a pain, gives them a pleasure, you do need to know exactly what you're selling and to that target audience. You need to know how that hits home with them. So an offer, you could be really flexible with this first and foremost, but once you recognize, if we just go really simple before we get into the offer conversation, because I think it's really easy to go down a whole new conversation. How do you get as many people in your schedule as possible? I'd ask you this, if you've ever gone to an event 
and someone did a promotion, they did a presentation, they gave you something, they gave you a call, and you went in for an experience, a service that you never expected to go in for, but you had such a good experience that you decided to go in for a new service, how did that happen? And in most cases, it comes down to someone doing such an incredible job presenting themselves as an expert on a subject, and you go, gosh, that sounds really interesting. And then they lower the entry barrier to the point that it seems ridiculous for you not to go in and experience X, Y, and Z. One of the first things that I used to do, and I'm a huge advocate for this, is doing presentations. When I first started at Persicini Fitness, I was selling this idea of using muscles to make people feel better, and I needed to get busier. So I went to this local store, one store, the running room, which is a local running franchise. And all I did was I focused on foot and ankle injuries and educating their runners how to not get foot and ankle injuries so that way their knees and their hips stay healthy. One presentation, one message, and I spoke to all the different running groups. In three months, I acquired, I think, 20 to 25 new clients. And what I did was I went in and I did a really exciting presentation. I had a little presentation, like a dog and pony style show to showcase what it is I did. So I'm working on public speaking, working on mechanical stuff they can relate to, showing how that stuff can prevent them from getting injured, which is huge concern for runners. And then what I did was I offered to do a free assessment on everyone that attended those meetings. But that turned out, and this, again, I was 19 or 20 when I did that, that turned out to me getting like over 20 people to come in, which was great. It was the most explosive client growth that I've ever had. And I gave them a free assessment to actually have that thing. And so I would encourage you to think about something like that, is I would encourage you, today we asked a question in the Facebook group, what is one skill every personal trainer needs to work on that is not exercise, and public speaking came up unanimously. Work on your public speaking. Be seen as an expert because people in your town, they don't know who you are right now if they're not calling you. Why would someone spend $2,000 on a brand new iPhone and not call you to work on their ankle injury? You're not doing a good enough job presenting yourself yet. And that's what we need to see you do. This is one of those scenarios where it's very easy to hear this information um, and then not to take action on it because we all got parts of ourselves who don't want to have to deal with the things that make us scared or worried or fearful. And we come with all kinds of different reasons. We all, we all do all kinds of mental gymnastics as to why we shouldn't do it. It's just like being on a diet and not wanting to eat junk food. You might have four or five great days on your diet. You get to Saturday and you're like, ooh, I really want to have that pizza with my friends. You start doing all these different mental gymnastics as to why that's okay. Oh, it's just one time. Oh, I have to stoke the metabolic furnace. Oh, I need to replenish a glycogen from my workout tomorrow. It's fine if I eat this pizza. Deep down, you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to know, I just shouldn't have eaten this pizza. It's very similar with this advice. You're going to hear it and be like, I don't necessarily want to go talk to humans. I don't necessarily want to go out there and do public speaking. But here's the thing is like, that's kind of what it takes to get to that next level. You have to go out and talk to humans in person. Face to face is always going to be better than email. Talking on the phone is going to be better than doing email. But in person is kind of like where everything shines. So when you hear this advice, you have two options. You can take it and say, hey, I'm going to do something with it and go try it on. And you're a little bit nervous and grow and be better for it. Or you can put it off for a little bit. But I promise you, down the road, every successful gym owner that I know, everyone who's got a very busy business has at some point in time started trying public speaking or and this is a very, very small or is they were just happy to wait a couple years of just having clients pass on to them to the point where they were full. The choice is yours. Personally, personally, I'm taking 
public speaking, getting uncomfortable, and doing this stuff to grow my business. What I'm doing right now is strata over trying to just wait for the leads to come in here and build, build me up. I don't want to wait that year and a half. I don't want to wait those two years. And because Brandon's helped me learn over the past couple of years how to give presentations. I've already got one, two, three clients in my schedule from doing those alone. And I got another person coming in today from some of the Facebook outreach we've been doing, which is something else we might be able to talk about a little bit later. Honestly, Strata has $100,000 of annual reoccurring revenue from presentation clients, clients that we went out and we did presentations to and drew them in. And that's not accounting for, that was actually before COVID. So it may be even more at that when Glenn's talking about these numbers. So listen, three things you can immediately do to help blow up your schedule and be seen as an expert. One, set up in-person presentations where applicable and where it's safe to, to have people come to you and give away free assessments. Two, set up an online community and do live trainings, small ones, 15, 20 minutes, to win one specific topic every week to give people something to get excited about and something you can draw people to, even with low attendance, consistently put yourself out there. And then number three, go to chiropractor massage therapy and all these different local paramedical and medical offices and build one-on-one -on -one connections. That last one is insanely powerful because there's a gigantic audience of people that respect those professionals. The only thing about that is it's a lot more time consuming. So all three of those things together turn into this gigantic animal of you putting yourself out there as an expert with your specific offer to your audience and showcasing how you can build value to other professionals and other people. And when you do it, make sure you have a way to get people to come to you that seems almost idiotic for someone to not take up that offer. Don't make them feel bad. But I mean, if you're like, hey, listen, my assessment's usually $200 for the assessment and report and I'm giving that away for free. Everyone gets excited about free things. They don't value things the same way, but nonetheless, that gives you an opportunity to get them in your door and talk to them. And as you grow and scale, don't give everything away for free, but that's getting into another strategy. I mean, this is exactly what these gurus and experts like Tony Robbins do. I remember my girlfriend actually got me like a day with Tony Robbins passed to one of these giant events they do down at the uh, local convention center. And Tony Robbins was the last four hour block, but there were blocks beforehand with all these other professionals, some people who you'd probably know, the guy that um, the guy that wrote the book called Un, you know, Unfudge Yourself. That's not the actual title, but for the sake of the podcast, you know what it is. But yeah, all these different people come in and essentially what they do is they educate you for half an hour to 40 minutes, something they know really, really well. They give you something to take home and then here's what they do. They give you their irresistible offer. They tell you what they you get by signing up for their program or their seminar or whatever that is. And then they do this thing where they start removing the bar from entry where they say, usually it's $1,000, but today we're gonna do it for you for 800. And then he talks for five more minutes. He's like, you know what? I'm feeling generous today. We're going to only do for $500. $500, I can't go any lower, but if you want it today only, $500 if you want to enroll my program. Now, let me tell you something. They were always going to give it to you for $500, but because people hear $1,000 to begin with and the anchor on, that's the value, and then these people drop it down to $500, it seems like it'd be stupid not to do the thing. Mm -hmm. We're trying to do the similar thing here by offering a free assessment, but we're not doing some of the other stuff that come along with it. It's the same thing, though. you got an irresistible offer. Make it so good they can't say no. Glenn, do I need to go to college to be a successful career personal trainer? Oh, let me tell you something. I think there's one of two ways this is going to go for some people. Way number one is you're like me and you go to university and you do that for five years and you're, I use the word very lightly, but indoctrinated into a certain way of thinking things and a certain way of 
of doing uh, exercise, understanding the human body. And then you go out into the world and you realize, at least for me, that maybe not everything is as the way that you learned it in university. How could this education that I spent over $50,000 on possibly be wrong and lead me astray? Well, that was my experience. And it took me a while to get on the exercise science, logical reasoning way of doing things because it was different than what I was taught in university. Now, why do I say that? Because some people are going to spend a lot of time and money doing things that actually aren't of tremendous value, but they're going to get stuck in the sunk cost of, well, I don't want this to go to waste. All this money and time I spend, so I'm going to keep doing things the way I'm going to be doing them. Probably not the best. That was my experience. If I didn't go to university, I probably would be just as good of a professional right now as if I um, hadn't gone to university. But here's the other side of the coin is that, no, I don't think you need to go to university to get the best education because there are tons of great programs and resources out there that can take you through everything you need to know about becoming a great exercise professional. Resistance Training Specialist Program taught by Tom Purvis gives you a lot of great technical nuts and bolts about how to see the body and the tissues and how to essentially marry physics and anatomy. Greg Max exercise education program and his ethical education course, ethical sales course rather, shows you everything you need to know about how to take some of these pieces and how they all fit together, but also how to sell in an ethical way where everyone wins. FPM, what do we do really, really well? We help get people in the doors to see you so you can put some of that other stuff to work. All these different programs are different pieces of the puzzle. The technical stuff, the knowledge-based stuff, but also the how do we get people into the door and selling kind of stuff. You can get that information from any number of different resources and get to where you want to go. The thing that you got to be careful about is asking yourself, is this really what's best for me right now is going to get me towards my goals and really scrutinize what you're doing being logical about it because it's very easy to do stuff that's not get you where you want to go. In fact, I would say most of success is just doing more of the stuff that's going to help you get to where you want to go and just doing less of the stuff that isn't. So I have the opposite experience with Glenn from an education perspective. I did not go to university for any of the stuff you hear me talk about and has had some tremendous pros and tremendous cons because of that. Mario Mavridis, the one I'm interviewing this Friday, uh, he was my first mentor. And I remember at this gym that I was working at, I had to pass an exam to become a trainer there. I started working there when I was 18 years old. And over a three-year period of time, I ended up becoming the head trainer there. And I was doing study groups for the entire staff at 21 years old. And I remember this conversation, this popped up with him and Johnny Cook, who's been in an interview. I talked to him about it and a few other people. I was at this kind of like crossroad where I didn't know, hey, should I go to school and do physiotherapy and go hard and spend all the money and all the time into this? Or should I invest all that money into private education? And I chose the private education route. Now, on top of that, I will say I did go to college for two years and I did get uh, some education from Sir Sir Sanford Fleming College of, on marketing because I had this idea that I wanted to do some fitness business stuff. But I spent that time while I was there concurrently studying RTS and at that time muscle activation techniques and a few other programs because for me, everything I saw in Canada at least for the kinesiology programs and the physiotherapy programs and the chiropractic programs, I saw tons of these trainers that were 28, 29 years old. They were finishing four, eight years of education. They were coming to our gym and they really did not understand physics. They did not understand exercise design. They were not professionals. They were educated academically speaking and had a lot of great knowledge and most of which have not gone on, gone on with that education to do anything much bigger than what they were doing before. And so for me, I think 
and I, Johnny Cook, I know, will advocate for this. There's some incredible value to education, academic, academia, and going down that road. And honestly, I am limited by the options I have within my career. I will never be able to do research like Charlie McMillan, a few of these other people that are friends of mine because I don't have that four-year diploma in kinesiology. I'm unable to go and attain my master's. And for me to do it, which I did look into, I have to go full-time and I have to stop working. As such, I've been able to take all that time and develop different skill sets and study privately and invest my time into brilliant people like Tom Purvis and learn all about this biomechanics as the most in the most practical way possible. So do you need, I mean, like in short, do you require a college education to be a successful personal trainer? Do you require it? No. I'm an example of not. Will it benefit you if you do have that education and you decide to go on beyond training to do other things? Absolutely. In fact, in Canada, we wouldn't be able to continue working through COVID. If you don't have a college education, does that mean you have to work harder? Perhaps. You still have to study. And I think that's the important separation here is that your college education, if you don't have one, that's fine. You need to put a tremendous amount of time into self-studying, educating, and cons consistently pushing yourself. Because myself and a few other people do not have that university degree. And are absolutely, I don't want to say this for myself because I don't want to sound hubristic, but I know some people that don't have college degrees and are absolutely brilliant. And I would much rather hire them as trainers to work with me than people who do have diplomas and masters in some cases. So do you require it? I want to say this, require? No. That does not mean you have to stop learning, though. You have to continue learning. You have to challenge yourself. Oh, I have nothing else to add, Brandon. That was brilliant. Number three, I love training and hate feeling like a salesperson. What do I do? I think this is a framing conversation. Very much so. Because whether you like it or not, you are selling yourself every moment of your life. When you go on that first date with that person you've been talking to online or on those dating apps, uh, you're trying to sell yourself. When you are uh, out and about and you're meeting the in-laws for the first time, you are trying to sell yourself. When you just go out in society and you're just trying to be a happy person and you're just trying to go out and enjoy things and make people smile, you're trying to sell them on the idea that you are a happy person person. So here's the thing. Most people have this negative connotation towards sales, especially in the fitness industry, because their relationship to sales is somebody who is snarky, deceitful, lying to you. Most people are thinking about who's that character from the Simpsons who's always trying to like sell cars. He's like, come on, get it together. Ron going to sell the car. Oh, what do you want to do? I'll throw in the tires. You want me to throw in the tires? Right. Most people, that's the relationship of being someone who is selling. And like, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm absolutely a salesperson, but to me, a salesperson is someone who's trying to figure out, Hey, is this person who's in front of me is what I do a good fit for them. And to get them to see that I could be a good fit for them as well. If, if everything lines up, if I can solve the problems that they come with and their pains and their discomforts, if they have the money, if I have the time, I mean, all these different things have to come into alignment if we're going to work together. And so for me, it's not a thing where, oh, uh, I got to sell somebody. Otherwise, I got to put food on the table and I'm trying to like prey on their emotions and make them feel bad about themselves. No, 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 no. Is what I do a good fit for you? Do you think I'm a good fit for you? Does everything else line up? Great. Let's do some work together. 
Does anything not line up? Are there some red flags there? Can, is, can you not afford this? Is there going to be someone else who's better for you? Do I even solve the problem that you have? All questions you have to ask. But at the end of the day, it's a framing. I mean, we're all selling one way or the other. Um, the, the question is, like, how do you see it? Nurturing. Right, we were talking to one of the trainers here and he was struggling with the idea of sales and coming across like pushy and a call center person. And I tried to frame it like this. Don't call and try and sell. Call and try and learn about how they're doing. Make a connection. When you're talking to people, learn about where they are. Ask them questions about how their body's feeling and how it's influenced, how it's influencing their day-to-day -day actions. And try to nurture that conversation to learn more. If you can ultimately figure out exactly what their needs are. The opportunity to sell them this pen, so to speak, right? Jordan Belfort, right? This idea of sell me this pen. It's not a question of, hey, I have this pen. Tell me what you need. It's, it's a, hey, Glenn, how you doing? How's your day going? Hey, I noticed you're keeping some files. What paper are you using? Regular white paper? Hmm. And you start asking questions and start to discover, is there a need for the thing you have? And when you're ready for it and want to push yourself outside your comfort zone, then take the opportunity to ask, hey, is this something you'd be interested in talking more about? I've got something where I work with people just like you and we do X, Y, and Z so you can feel X, Y, and Z, which means you have a great feeling life. But I don't want to be pushy. Is that something you want to talk more about? And that creates an opportunity to open the door. So I would say two things. One, A, B, N, always be nurturing. Not A, B, C, always be closing. And two, really do it from a good place in your heart. Do it in a way that makes the person feel good if they say no, knowing that you cared about them. And I'll add a third one here. This whole thing is a necessary part of your business. I worked at a gym where all the sales was done for me and I only got paid 35% of what the rate of the training session was. That meant that I was just a small portion of the deal. <laughs> I was getting paid just a little bit for my time and the business put way more value into the sale of the training and dispersing all those other costs to overhead and salespeople. If you're the salesperson, this is where the opportunity for you to make 60, 70% of what your rate is really comes into fruition because you are doing the heavy lifting. You are making it happen. And ultimately, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The only thing I would say is, you know, there are two sides to every, to every story here. Definitely double down on nurturing. You should always be nurturing. You should always be caring. You don't want to get to the point, though, where you're caring and you're putting your own values and morals and what you need off to the side. The relationship really does have to be a win-win at the end of the day. People are going to be exchanging their time and their money for your time and your value and knowledge in solving their problem. I know trainers who are such really nice, good people and they want to care and take care of others that they do a lot of unpaid work unnecessarily, which they should be getting paid for, right? So there's a balance here somewhere. It's fine to do some pro bono work. It's fine to do some work that's complimentary, but you don't want to be giving away all of your time and not managing and organizing your life accordingly. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because I've got some stuff that I know based on them, the questions coming up that will come up around organization, but I'll digress for now. So the other question that we got that I think was a good one and we've talked about it in the past is what do you think is the best personal training certificate? I think this is a weird question. I've been asked this a lot over the years because I've taught for different companies and I've been around personal training education for a long time. Hands down, I think if you're looking just to learn more about exercises and exercise mechanics, 
you have to take the resistance training specialist program. It's got gone through so many different iterations and uh, frankly evolved so much because of Tom Purvis, but at its very core, the practical assessment tool of looking at people, identifying where a joint axis is, where the moment arm is, what that even means, learning more about mus muscular participation, different demographics of people and how designing exercise from what Tom calls internal performance to external performance really lies. Um, I used to teach that program. It's an insanely thorough exercise program. And if I had to recommend a personal training certificate, it's not a certificate program. It is an advanced education program. So you're not going to get certified so you can be insured, but hands down, it will give you the most tools on the gym floor outside of any personal training education that I've ever experienced. What would you say? It's a tough one because I agree in that certifications, I mean, certifications certify you to do something, right? And I know that the RTS doesn't necessarily certify you. Might You get a plaque if you become a, a, if you go through mastery and you pass the test, so to speak, but you don't get certified. And so if we're looking specifically at a certification that um, matches and mirrors with education, that's a really tough one to come by because there are some programs which we're going to require like legitimately a few months of studying in the very least and understanding some stuff before you can get certified or even have the knowledge base to do that. And there'll be some where you, if you're just an exercise enthusiast, you've been working out for a year, you can probably pass their test. And I can name, I can think of a couple off the top of my head in Canada, big ones. And so if you're asking me specifically about a certification, one that I think that I looked into initially um, to get certified, but then I passed on it because I found out I was already covered in some of the things I wanted to do that were high priorities would be the medical exercise specialist from ACSM only because it teaches you how to work with extremely sensitive populations, with some certain disease states. And here's the thing is once you can work with really sensitive people, you understand the disease states, the interactions between medications, um, how to go about training people who are very, very sensitive, it really opens you up to work with a lot more different people. If you can't work with people who are sensitive, you are gonna be in trouble because eventually somebody's probably gonna refer you somebody who is very, very sensitive. And if you can help that person, that's A, someone who's not going to get the care that they need, especially if you're one of the few trainers in your area. Um, and, and B, that's potential income that you're not going to be able to take in your pocket. And because I have a kinesiology degree and I took some of those courses through my degree, and believe it or not, my independent insurance company recognizes kinesiology as a personal training certification. I actually don't need a certification ever again in order to be certified, which is fantastic, but most people do. And if you really do want to get a certification where you're going to learn some stuff and it's actually going to help you work with more sensitive people and you do need that to be insured and this is a lifelong journey for you i do like the medical exercise specialist um, certification outside of that most other certifications i honestly personally from my own research aren't going to teach you that much um it's tough uh the other thing about it i would say when it comes to education in general i'm just going to put this out there is a lot of this stuff can be done online now and getting your knowledge online versus that practical in person how does this translate are two very different things i did two years of of just um uh internships at sports science places and personal training facilities just to get comfortable training with people before i took money to become a personal trainer now i had some a certain level of like support from my family in terms of i was living there and so that definitely went a long way and maybe you don't have that um that kind of privilege that i had those kind of resources 
but you have to get good practically and knowledge base in order to feel comfortable working with people. And that might look like doing some free pro bono stuff. That might, that might look like doing some internships. When it comes down to strictly certifications, I think the medical exercise specialist is the way to go if you want to get insurance to be paid to work with people. I actually totally forgot about that one, and I have not done that one, but I would also recommend it too. It's very well esteemed, has some amazing people that are at the helm of it. And I mean, mm -hmm. learning more about sensitive people and medical conditions and how exercise influences it, it's only gonna help. Huge, 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 huge. Do you need to be in shape to be a personal trainer? No, but it definitely helps. Why? Optically, people are gonna judge you for what you look like. And I knew this guy, I'm gonna call him John, even though that's not a real name, I knew this guy named John. And uh, he used to be fairly fit. Um, and then he started letting himself go. And he ballooned to being a personal trainer at like 185 pounds, a little soft, to over 250, very soft. And I'm pretty sure that uh, his girlfriend broke up with him. He lost all of his clients. And he kept leaning on that he had a neck issue. And that's why he couldn't exercise. But like we know the truth in that you just watch what you eat and you can do some easy stuff and you can still look relatively fit or at least look the part. The problem is, is that if you don't look healthy, why would people take advice from you no matter how much knowledge you know? It's our baser instinct to reflect on the person that's in front of us. And if they don't look the part, quite frankly, Brandon, um, people aren't going to trust you. I was watching this. I love watching The Office. Uh, I think it's a really funny TV show. And I've been watching lately, like some of the blooper editing behind the scenes kind of stuff. And they were talking about that in the first season, if you've ever watched The Office, there's a character named Michael Scott. He's the main character. And Michael Scott, in the first season, they pulled his hair back so he sort of looked like he was balding. They made his uh, little button up shirt really, really tight up to his collar so he looked a little bit chubby and overweight. And they gave him like this really gross looking car salesman look on top of all the grotesqueness that he would say to his staff. And and apparently the show at the beginning almost did not make it. The ratings were low after the first few episodes. They're thinking about canceling it after the first season. And so what they did to give Michael Scott a bit more redemption and made him a little bit more human was they had him dress a little bit cleaner, a bit more organized. They made him look like he was a little bit more in shape. He had like the Rogaine hair where it was nice and full. He just looked more organized and had redemption where he'd make these grotesque jokes, but then he would redeem himself by like apologizing, feeling bad and ultimately being human. What does that have to do with this? That initial impression, right, between the two versions of the very clean, organized, nice version versus a really grotesque car salesperson, those both are the exact same person, but slightly different characteristics were interpreted off the initial impression, which influenced the viewer to like and or not like the product. So when you think of personal training, I am not going to stand up here and say, you need to be in shape to have a personal training business by any means, but if you are selling luxury cars and you pull up in a car that is not a luxury car to someone who wants to buy one, there's going to be an issue because the person who's going to buy that car might have a hard time relating to you. Glenn and I, and I think almost everyone here at Strata are in pretty good shape. None of us are ready to go on stage shredded. None of us look insanely above average. All of us have grown some muscle. We look like we work out. We look like we take care of ourselves. We all look pretty clean. And I think that that helps a lot. So when our demographic comes in, they know that we're relatively healthy. We take care of ourselves and it gives us a little bit of credibility. Anchoring and the initial impression is something that is absolutely important. And so do you need to be in shape to be a successful trainer? No. Can it help? Yes. Can it also have a declination in your business if you're too in shape and you lean on that too hard? In my opinion, yes. So ultimately, like Glenn said, be healthy. Take care of yourself.
it's going to come out in the way you act, I think, and the way you are. I mean, people who get enough sleep and eat the right foods and exercise are happier people. And even if we can't be objective about it, people that are happy and healthy have a certain je ne sais quoi about themselves. Je ne sais quoi. Right? I mean, but you know, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, there are people that have, like, uh, like, just that exuberance in life because they're taking care of themselves. People but can't help be attracted to that. People want that when people see you and you look like you have a lot of energy and you're moving around in your chair and you feel pretty good people like that's the kind of thing that i want that's the kind of person that i want to be this person's doing it therefore they must be able to help me do it too and whether that's true or not because there are a lot of people that look great that can't help people who are really really sensitive but whether that's true or not people are going to relate to that and see you as the answer to their problems that optic really goes a long way i wish it didn't sometimes but it does it does it does. I mean, unfortunately, the fitness industry has particular stigmas. And I know, truth is, when I w did my bodybuilding show, I mean, I went from, I, I walk around around 190, 195 pounds on a day-to-day. -day. Um, I'm in pretty moderate shape, I think. When I did my bodybuilding show, I went down like nearly like 25 pounds. I was 170, 168 for my size. It was, I was gross skinny for me, gross skinny. And a lot of my clients were concerned about me that I was doing something that was unhealthy. On top of that, when I would go to the gym, whatever gym I was working at, I had a ton of people see how lean and shredded and vascular I was and be like, oh my God, what are you doing? And funny thing is I got a lot of clients in the door because of me being in incredible, crazy shape. None of those clients are with me now. And it's because there was this thing where they thought by working with me and doing the unique stuff I did, they were going to get in the shape that I was in. But in reality, I was barely eating. <laughs> I was doing cardio like crazy and I was training like bonkers to get in that shape. Uh, I don't know if I want to do that again, to be honest. It was pretty crazy. <sighs> the funniest thing is those images, everyone's like, oh my God, you were in such great shape. But in the reality, your testosterone, your energy, everything is just in the tank. You actually feel the worse when you look that good, if you have not done one of those shows. By the way, Johnny Cook, who's been on the show, uh, did a bodybuilding show, Mr. Illinois. Uh, you should check him out and creep him. So, Johnny, if you're watching this, haha. -ha. Next. <laughs> personal sweet, training. Sweet segue, Brandon. Sweet if segue. If you're going to become a personal trainer, we had a lot of people ask us, how do I get started on marketing? So let's blow past this target audience offer conversation, right? Glenn, in your opinion, you're getting started. You have an audience. You know what your product is. You're feeling pretty confident about it. Where would you start marketing again if you had to start all over again? Where would I start marketing again if I had to start marketing all over again? Yeah. If I have everything dialed in? Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. There's so many different things we could do with this one. I would do a couple of things. I, not to not to belabor the point because I already talked about it. I think public speaking, those in-person presentations go a long, long way. If you can't do in-person, seminars and webinars are a great way to go. Absolutely. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you know, social media is an amazing tool if used correctly. And again, I, I don't want to belabor anything because we talk about it all the time, but most people are just flat out not using social media to its uh to the extent that they could most people are using maybe it's like they say about the human brain they see only using like five percent of the human brain because it's infinite potential most people i think are only really using five or ten percent of the capabilities of instagram and facebook and then they give up on it because they just don't know what they're doing um you know brandon uh said earlier in the program i've got a few people in my schedule that came from doing facebook stuff i've got another person that's coming in in a couple hours from now, that is a consult from some of our Facebook and Instagram outreach strategies we've been using. So I'm going to say you got to go where the humans are, knowing where they are. For me, I like working with people who are over the age of 60, got to make some pains. I go where they hang out on Facebook. 
uh, and Instagram, sometimes much more Facebook though, really not Instagram too much and also in person. And I'm just going to find them and just chat with them. And like, it's really that simple. I wish it was complex, but it's really that simple, at least for me. Honestly, I'm going to just really like put a really simple bow on this because we've already talked about this today. Put yourself out there. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Yeah. Like you need to put yourself out there um, and do it in a way that you're nurturing people. So you're not just saying, hey, look at me, look at my gym and look at what I can do. And think of it like, here's what, here's how I'm helping people like you. Here's how I'm helping people with hip replacements. Here's a person who lost weight and here's their story. Tell stories and just put yourself out there consistently. And you're going to find if you put a bunch of different pieces of content out online, through emails, on your website, whatever it is, some of it's going to land and some of it's not. And then from there, be objective and open to it and make the shifts along the way. Yeah. I don't think we got to go too much more into this. So, I mean, this is kind of what the podcast is about, right? In a nutshell. So... I got one last one and Glenn was brought this up and I thought this would be a great one for him to handle because it's a great question that I've had asked a bunch of times is um, how do you organize your day to day? And I know Glenn, you were saying that you were having some challenges with this mm. and you've come up with some cool things to kind of dial in your organization. So a lot, a lot of the issues around organization, I think come down to a couple things. One, it comes down to like your own unique time management in terms of are you going to adhere to the schedule that you set yourself? Uh, and the second thing is, are you working on things that are of priorities to you? To the point of the first one is, are you respecting the limitations you put in for yourself in terms of your scheduling? It's very easy. Excuse me. If you're working with a client, if, uh, if things are going one, you're having a great time to an extra five or 10 minutes here or there. Or it's very easy for a client to come in five minutes late to be like, it's okay. I'm going to push your session five more minutes longer so that uh, we can get the full session in today. These little concessions, even though they may not seem like a huge deal, add up over time. If it's five or 10 or 15 minutes a day that you're giving to people, that's up to two hours a week. Two hours of your waking time per week, that goes a long way. That could be two more hours towards marketing efforts and building your business. It could be two more hours to spending time with loved ones and family. It could be two more hours to training clients. So you're making an extra couple hundred dollars a week or $800 to $1,000 per month, depending on what you charge, maybe even more. So respecting your time boundaries that you put for yourself and your clients is going to be absolutely huge. The second thing that I want to put out there is going to be your priorities. I think a lot of people, if they're trying to grow their business, their priorities in the wrong places. Uh, a drill that I went through myself recently that was tremendously helpful was I wrote out my 25 priorities, my top 25 priorities, myself, um, my girlfriend, my dog, my personal training clients, my FPM clients, my marketing efforts to grow FPM, my marketing efforts to grow personal training, my marketing efforts to uh, help other people with their businesses, running my Facebook page for Strata, cleaning around the house, home maintenance stuff, spending time with these friends, spending time with those friends, spending time with my girlfriend's family. I had to write down all these priorities in terms of what was the most important to what was the least important. And then you get very, very clear on how you should be spending your time. Because if you're saying it's important that you should be building your business, but that priority is falling down to number 10 and you're putting your own exercise in above growing your business every day, or you're putting in spending time excessively with family and friends in over growing your business, well, don't expect your business to grow very, very fast. Where does that priority lay? 
Sorry, go ahead. I feel yeah. like you want to jump in here. Yeah, no, no. You know, it's funny you say that. I think there's like I pre there was something that we an exercise I went through with one of our students last week, and he was I asked, well, what is the number one thing you need to do to work on your business? He goes, well, I need to work on this. And I said, great. Tell me about your week. And we looked through his entire schedule, and he was only devoting one hour per week to that thing on top of the forty five hours of other things he was doing. And I said, well, listen, if this is the most important thing, this needs more attention. It can't just be this one hour. This is such a small piece. How can we double down on this? We started playing with his schedule, but it comes back to what you were saying yeah i mean that's it at the end of the day you got to make the main thing the main thing when you're doing work on that thing you focus in on it turn off your phone get it done get in that flow space when the time is up to be done that test you move on to the next one and then when the time is up for that you move on to the next one as long as you're focusing on the stuff that you say is a priority and you're doing it within the time that you say you're going to get it done in you're going to be amazed it just requires that discipline that organization to start moving in that direction Love it. And I think the last thing that I'll add with this, which is kind of on top of what Glenn's saying, is if you have a particular thing you have to do each week, work on automating it and systematizing it as best as you possibly can. We've talked about this podcast setup. We've talked about other filings systems that we have. Make sure that whatever you have to do that's a reproducible thing, try to streamline the process so you can save time there because setting up a podcast station or a video station, if you have to set it up every single week, it might behoove you to make a corner in your facility devoted to that so you can just push some buttons and turn it on. If you're using the same sales strategy, have some consistent paperwork that you can literally just press print so you can follow the system of the questions you use for that or your assessment processes so prioritize systematize beautiful brandon what is your pick of the week everyone so my pick of the week so as many of you know a big thing that i've invested into that's worked really well and i'm really excited about it is streaming our videos and making sure that the production of fitness pro mentors minds on muscle show and everything else that we do is as clean and as seamless as possible we've talked about different items but one of the things that our students consistently ask was, well, how do I make my scene, my home, look as best as I possibly can for inexpensive? And one of the things is lighting. So we talked about this gigantic light that we're using here. Um, I want to showcase this, which I've actually got two of these. And this is an aperture colored light. Uh, this particular light is, I think, is around $130. So it's not super, super cheap. But as you can see right behind Glenn, this wall behind us is blue. It's nice, this nice blue color. That comes from this light. And so one of the reasons why it's so expensive is when you turn it on, you can actually change the colors by turning the dial to whatever color you want. So I can have it be pink, I can have it be purple, I can have it be blue or green. And this particular light is quite bright. So if I put it on the wall back here, you can see that if I put it on a wall with no color, I've got the blue on there right now, is it really changes the vibe of the, the look of your place just a little bit. And so what's nice is if you're in your home office, I would say be really careful with, and I talked to Glenn about this, like greens and yellows because it splashes onto your skin and makes you look a little bit ill, but blues and oranges really add a lot of depth and warmth to the facility. Um, your, your scene, so to speak, like Glenn and I have, you know, normal human orangish kind of palish skin, peachish skin. So the blue and that orange color work well together to help separate Glenn from the background. While this orange is a nice warmth that gives us a nice vibe back here. What's really cool about this is that this is magnetic. So what's really neat is if you have metal surfaces, you can attach it to things. And I'll just do this. I'm sure it's going to look terrible on camera. But if I turn it on, uh, what's nice about this is you can play around with this and do some really, really unique stuff. So if I want to look a little Frankenstein-ish, I can put it right in my face. Anyway, so this particular light, no, Aperture, the company Aperture makes a ton of them. This is the Aperture uh, MC. I mean, honestly, you can spend a lot of money on these little colored lights. The fact that it's magnetic and sets up on things are a lot of fun. Great battery life. And I believe it connects to your Bluetooth. Don't know how to do that yet, 
but super convenient. So I'm going to recommend that. Glenn, what's your pick of the week? Beautiful, beautiful. I got a tech thing this week as well, and it is Cinch Share. I've really started to double down. Uh, started, I've really started to double down this week in batching my content even further out. I really creating stuff in Canva or filming and editing and then posting it a little bit later on. I was doing a week or two out before, but now I want to try to do months out. And so I was looking at all these different social media scheduling platforms to use, especially for people like me, who I'm just one person. I didn't need anything crazy. There are some that are crazy diverse and offer you a lot like Hootsuite, but Hootsuite can run you 130 USD per year for one one person other places they offer maybe packages for 50 the one that i fell on that i really liked was cinch share cinchshare.com it doesn't hit as many wide diverse platforms as hootsuite does but it does hit for instagram and facebook and pinterest now i don't care about pinterest or twitter for that matter but i do care about instagram and facebook because that's where my ideal target audience is and that's where i want to reach people so I invested in CentShare. It's only $10 USD per month for that. I can connect as many of my Facebook and Instagram pages as I want to. I can shoot posts off to my personal page, my Instagram page, my uh, our Strata Facebook page, our Strata uh, Instagram page all at one time if I want to. I can easily link it up to Canva so I can take stuff I've been working on in Canva and add it right into the post on CentShare. So it's got some interesting capabilities and integrations. Again, it's not gonna hit all the platforms that are out there. However, for the stuff that I need, it's easy to use and understandable. I'm a big fan of it. Even for my hashtags, there is a little feature where I can click Add, um, add clip and what it does is it posts all my hashtags at the very end so I don't even have to think about it again or copy and paste it all the time. It's beautiful, I really like it. If you are growing your business, if you're an entrepreneur who wants to free up more of their time or you're a business owner and you've got a market for a whole bunch of other people and you don't want to spend every day doing that, highly recommend CentShare if you want to use Instagram and Facebook. If not, check out Hootsuite later, all these other scheduling softwares, find one that works well for you. Some of the ones that are more pricey might not be worth it, but since share for the basic stuff on Instagram and Facebook, I'm a big fan of it. Check it out, sinceshare.com. Everyone, Brandon and Glenn, we are the Minds on Muscle Show. Fitness Pro Mentors, please check us out live at our Facebook group. We got a bunch of amazing content. Check out our previous episodes, and if we're doing an okay job, uh, please give us a five-star rating. But we will see y'all real soon. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Make it rain. Oh, yeah, and send us some of your questions. Fwah, 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 fwah.